What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And our friends really friends if you don't know them. So grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sip Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. So today I'm joined by Sip Pop writer Robert. This is a dangerous place full of vultures. Vultures everywhere. <laughs> there are vultures in the East Coast? Yes. All right. Uh, you know, uh, that was a quote, right? <laughs> I know. Okay. It's your thing. Of yeah, I was you know just that. making sure you realized. No, I was just trying to like, you know, play off of it a little bit, you know. Uh, but a place that might actually be vultures, I got Blake from Australia joining. Hello, yes. There are no vultures here, but I am upside down right now. <laughs> so there's that. Thanks for well, having uh, me. Yeah, for sure. Happy to have you on. Uh, Blake, a first time guest here. Uh, relatively new Sif Pop writer. Um uh contacted through the website uh well, probably like three months ago yeah yeah something like that Sweet. um yeah we write it was for great because right? as soon as we onboarded you we took a long break from the bec <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 that was fun um yeah we write for uh sippop.com we do movie reviews best ever challenges lots of other interesting movie related articles make sure to check out sippop.com to keep up with all of that uh, but on the podcast today, on the show, we're going to talk about a coming attraction. Uh, I messed up, guys. Uh, um, so we talked about Cyrano last week, which probably should have been this week because last week there was nothing out. So we're just going to split Moonfall and Jackass for forever. Jackass forever, which finds out Cyrano is probably pushbacked anyway. At least I think so. The whole mm-hmm. coming attraction is just kind of a mess. So uh, Moonfall not coming out this week, but next week. Um, and we'll talk about it here. And, uh, and then we'll move on to talking about our goat um, for the month. And that's uh, Casablanca. About time we get around to talking about Casablanca. When we're done talking about Casablanca, we'll move on to the BEC. Uh, uh, it's a BEC for our B-plot. We're doing Best Ever Movie Set in World War II. And we'll wrap up with a spinoff. But first, we've got to get a chance to know our writer this week. Uh, Blake, we'll start with you. Um, when did you realize that movies are kind of your thing? Um, yeah, I think this is... Uh sort of story that i've thought about a lot over the last you know however many years um and i think i've kind of pinpointed it to um a specific movie in um spirited away um when i was sort of younger um you know i'd go to the the video store and and rent out movies with mom and dad and stuff like that and um i would always be the one that would take way too long to decide what i was going to get and if i was sort of rushed along by them i would kind of just dart and get spirited away for the 15th week in a row um and yeah i think that's kind of the first sort of movie that that made me realize it was sort of more than just moving pictures and and nice noise um so yeah i kind of i think i kind of pinpoint it to that but um it's a hobby that's grown over the last i think maybe five years um in that i've sort of started to watch more and and um you know, start writing and, and analyzing things a bit more deeper and, and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of think that's where that whole sort of thing came from. Um, yeah. So what do you consider your favorite movie of all time then? Um, so my favorite movie of all time, and, and this is kind of like a, 
a, a turning point for me would be La La Land. Um, nice. I saw that. Yeah, I saw that eleven times in theaters. Um, wow, and that's okay. sort of Gosh. yeah, and that's sort of when I realized okay, like I was I was studying at the time, um, and I wasn't really into it as much and and that movie sort of you know right place right time follow your dreams all that stuff um i was like all right i'm gonna i'm gonna start doing this movie stuff a a bit more seriously um you know not as serious as most but start writing things here and there and and um watching stuff so yeah that um that movie holds a very special place in my heart and and for that i've been saying it's my favorite movie for the last however many years uh, i mean that's for sure in my i think my like fourth or fifth i think it's all of our top 10 yeah maybe even all of our top five no 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 uh it's not quite that high for me but <laughs> i do love it yeah that's right uh obviously kind of shocks me but all right let's see where i have it real quick if you want i think up i think i'm six or seven uh five i was right i can't find my list <laughs> shame oh here it is got it at 22 Oh, really shocking. All right. That's okay. I mean, it's 22 out of the 1,300 I've seen is pretty high. I know. I know. I know. All right. Uh, I know. I just thought, I thought for sure it was a top 10 from you, but I uh, apparently I just don't know you as well as I thought I did. Uh, Mm. It was a big moment for us. Well, here's here's what I do know about you. I know your favorite movie of all time is the Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy. Let, let me uh, kind of shift this. Instead of hearing you talk about why the Lord of the Rings trilogy is so great for the 80 bazillionth time, uh, what do you think about Rings of Power? A little bit of stuff oh. finally coming out for that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm interested. I haven't made it all the way through the Silmarillion yet. I'm like halfway through. But I'm I like the idea of going back to that time period. Uh, there's mm-hmm. going to be some characters that we know from the Lord of the Rings slash the Hobbit movies, uh, obviously played by different actors. But the one thing, you know, I've been cautiously optimistic this whole time, bordering bordering on skeptical. But the one thing that really uh, pushed me over the edge with that little teaser, if you could even call it that, the title reveal that yeah. came out a few days ago, uh, was it was all practical. You know, yeah. that that was actual molten metal with water being put over it on reclaimed wood, like. That, that so was cool. awesome. Yeah, for the sure. Hobbit, for as great as the story of The Hobbit is, and for as many of the moments that I love throughout those three mo- movies, uh, that probably puts it too charitably. I like a lot of moments, but most of it I don't. Uh, they're, one of their biggest problems is their visual blandness and uh, that it looks like a cartoon. Sure. Yeah. And cartoons aren't bad, but in that case, looking like a cartoon is bad. So going back to the going back to the feel of Lord of the Rings, hope, like the movies, hoping that's what they have done with their four hundred billion dollar budget for this, <laughs> right. or million dollar, and that's not even an exaggeration for this show. So like, I just hope they're going practical. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I thought the. I, I, it made me excited, and I think I think you you use the phrase kind of skeptical or cautiously optimistic. I feel like the general vibe has been kind of cautiously pessimistic ever since they <laughs> yeah. announced it like everybody like i don't know that we need it but like also it's lord of the rings so like no mm. see. uh no it looks it, it, you know i think a lot of people's thoughts have changed to really excited after it so just was curious how you felt so yeah i'm looking forward to it comes out the day before my birthday so it's a it's good time yeah, there you go <laughs> oh perfect happy yeah. birthday to you then <laughs> Um, so Blake, uh, kind of walk us through the process of, uh, of what kind of made you interested in getting involved in Sif pop. 
Um, so I've kind of been um following or not I don't know. I've I've been a fan of the the podcast for a little while um and sort of through my online escapades through through Twitter and whatnot, I've met a couple of um Sif Pop writers here and there and um sort of yeah, was was looking to I guess um expand my horizons on on where I put my writings on film. You know, you can only kind of put so much stuff on Letterboxd and and Twitter. So thought I'd, you know, have a crack at um have a crack at another another website. So yeah, kind of just um got in contact with the Sif Pop team and um yeah, it was a nice smooth sort of entry onto the onto the site and um yeah I've had a had a couple of things with the you know best ever challenges and stuff here and there so far but looking to um looking forward to to writing a bit more in the coming uh, coming year yeah for sure hmm. uh <clears throat> robert you're uh, one of the editors uh for me uh i was curious uh kind of thoughts on uh on 2022 for what's in store at Sif pop um yeah i'm <laughs> I, 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 to be fair i didn't have this written down i just had the random the 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 questions written down the standard ones but no yeah my little pause was did we talk about I felt like we no, talked about this. I think I think we talked about like looking look back? back at 2022, okay. maybe a little bit of like what's coming, but like you know we're uh, kind of tinkering with an Oscar series may- maybe like trying to figure out how we can make something like that work and uh, we're we're wanting to double down and actually make a meet the contributors page at this point. Um, you know, which just takes us taking the time to do it. Uh, we think that'd be a lot of fun and uh uh, yeah so my favorite articles thing, you know yeah my favorite thing about last year about 2021 was how we brought on a bunch of people what was it like june or july and uh, yeah yeah once we did that i felt like the whole vibe the whole feel of the of our operation was different in a good way um we had a bigger team a more committed team we were all working together but prior to that sometimes we would scramble to get 10 posts or 10 submissions for the BEC. Like I would have to jump in and like watch a movie or, you know, something like that. Uh, We would not have been able to do that 007 Sif story. No, not at all. Not a chance. But, and that, that's, that's kind of my point is now some, like we've gotten as many as 27 submissions on, on certain BECs. The, man, uh, ever since I started making the honorable mention slides, like right as we brought out all those writers and like the one that we did, um, what was the one we had, um, uh, super bad. Sorry, one word S titles. Like mm. I couldn't fit them all. <laughs> like I had to put them on the sides. And yeah. It's crazy. It was great. So looking for, looking forward to the rest of 2022. I just am excited for a full year of a full team. Yeah. Uh, seeing what we can do. Like we have reviews pretty much every day. We have BCs every week. You know, we mm. have this podcast. We have lots of stuff going out, lot, uh, lots of series. So yeah, that's that's what I'm most excited for a full year of, of this type of thing and hopefully some gro- growth. Yeah, and I, I would just add to that. I think the other thing I'm interested in looking at is you know when we have people writing monthly articles and all that. You know, I feel like uh, um, I feel like they've gotten off to a great start. You know, specifically like uh, think of like animation celebration, one stop pop out of mar- out of market stuff like that. Um, you know, just like have always got off to a great start. But as they continue to kind of find their voice and find their role, like. Uh, you know, just the idea of a monthly article should be that the thoughts progress and um, the writing style is, you know, a little bit more set. And like, just to kind of see, you have to take, you have to take monthly stuff kind of in new directions. And so uh, really mm-hmm. loved kind of seeing how, how that stuff has evolved. And I'm just curious, like, what is it going to look like in a year, you know? Mm. 
So yeah, looking yeah. forward to it. All right. Well, I got one random question before we uh, move on, uh, and that is uh, anybody can answer at any time. Uh, if you're working on something and you want some background noise, what is the perfect background noise? Um, if I'm if I'm writing, if I'm writing, um, I will go straight to the score for 2019's Little Women. Okay, straight away. Yep. All right, that's um uh the the guy that did Shape Water Desplat, right? Yeah, Desplat. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I love so that. good. Yeah. yeah, for um, me, it's... Oh, go ahead. No, I, d- I have a, an instrumental playlist uh, on Spotify that's just like... It's mostly film scores, but there's other stuff on there, so it's not technically um, just labeled film scores. But yeah, I mean, stuff from Desplat, Kachino, uh, 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 Hans Zimmer, obviously, John Williams, obviously. Um, uh, just whenever I f- like am watching a movie and I'm like, oh, I love that, like I'll just add it to the list and... <laughs> sometimes it doesn't work because then like jurassic park will come on and just like get really into it and i'll stop writing because you know i'm just like going along to the music or whatever it's like (laughs) yeah so yeah it's the same way for me it's all movie and tv uh tracks from shows uh all instrumental because yeah when when you say work my work is like 95 percent of the time writing or editing (laughs) so uh i can't be listening to other words obviously I've been curating my playlist on Spotify since 2016, and nice. now it's at 292 songs, 16 hours and 57 minutes. So, uh, just nice. anytime I I, uh, I find something I like, I throw it on there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, man, and I I just didn't know. Like, it's interesting that we all picked like movies and film scores specifically, but like uh, I know sometimes people are like, yeah, I just throw in movies, like throw in my favorite movie, like. So you would throw in like Lord of the Rings and it's like, I can't do it. Cause how do you not just like get enveloped and watch it? You know, <laughs> I know. Um, I, I have 11 hours and 43 minutes on my playlist. So I don't know what that translates to, but that's something for sure. So when I uh, used to work a eight hour desk job, I could like listen to it on shuffle and not hear the same songs twice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah same i in theory but but then like there's some of them that are like uh um like there's a i don't i haven't seen the movie but the angels and demons soundtrack is really awesome and there's a song on there called like 160 bpm and it's like i don't know that i could listen to that one while sitting at a desk job like <laughs> it's a little bit too exciting for me you know yeah so i might have to skip some of that stuff but uh um all right well let's uh let's move on to the coming attraction um we got uh moonfall uh, coming out next week this is the new roland emmerich film um it looks like a roland emmerich film um starring holly berry patrick wilson michael pena john bradley uh donald sutherland charlie Plummer, we uh when when woo um let's see a lot uh i think that's probably the am i missing anybody that's like you missed out that person how dare you not that i can think of okay i'm just looking at the imdb and i'm just like i think that's most of the people um <laughs> So, uh, yeah, um, Roland Emmerich disaster film. Uh, the moon is uh, is apparently always designed to come and uh, destroy the Earth, and so now they got Armageddon that crap. So, um, <laughs> let's uh, let's give our official anticipation scale. So um, let's let's take for a second. You know, COVID's not a thing, so Australia can't go on lockdown again. You know, um, for the what eighth time it would be, I guess, uh, uh, something like that. (laughs) Let's, let's forget about COVID for a second. Let's, let's forget about, you know, budgets and all that. Uh, Nothing is keeping you from seeing this movie except for for your free will. How excited are you to see it? Would you go see it opening weekend? Wait for a matinee, wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till, uh, it's on a streaming service you already pay for, or are you not interested in it? Blake, let's start with you. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not. Um, I'm not sort of overly excited for this. Nor am I not looking forward to it at all. You know, it's a Roland Emmerich disaster movie. They're generally pretty fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, in terms of like, I- I'm pretty lucky. So um, here in here in Australia, um, Village Roadshow is distributing the film, and I'm actually on their press list, so I'm getting an early screening for it um, on nice. the first of Feb which is pretty cool. Um, but if it, if it weren't for that, um, I don't know, I, I probably wouldn't be rushing out to see it sort of opening weekend. I'd, you know, go at like a 9.30 session if I was bored on a Tuesday. Okay. Um, that's kind of where this movie lands for me in nice. terms of excitement. Yeah. Yeah. And for the record, this opens uh, in the States uh, wide on February 4th. So um, I don't know if Australia is the fourth as well or, or if it's a little bit back. Uh, yeah. Pretty sure it is the fourth as well. Or the third, because we get stuff on Thursdays, is our yeah, release well, day. Yeah, they yeah. say the fourth, but yeah, the third. Yeah. Uh, Robert, what about you? Uh, yeah, I'd probably be the same with just a matinee. I, I haven't seen too many movies from Roland Emmerich. I think just The Patriot in 2012, <laughs> which was a long time ago before I got into movies. And I was like, oh, this one looks cool. And, uh-huh. you know, preteen me thought it was cool <laughs> or whenever it came out. <laughs> um, yeah, but... I, I have a movie movie going buddy who we normally see like any of the action stuff, action disaster, just you know anything that's not a drama is, right. and we haven't been able to see anything lately because it's all been prestige stuff and he doesn't really watch that. So I'm looking forward to going <laughs> going out yeah, to movies with my friend. I mean, when was the last time that we had like a proper like disaster movie? Like it, it felt like there was like Rampage and San Andreas kind of back to back, but like when was I mean? Unless you count Don't Look Up, which it's not a disaster movie. I mean, it is a disaster movie, but it's a, it's not a Roland Emmerich kind, you know? I yeah. count, like, Godzilla. Yeah, uh, I mean, like sure, Godzilla. Night. I don't know, like, Or Greenland. Maybe... I guess yeah. Greenland. Greenland. Okay, Greenland. Yeah, Greenland. A disaster yeah, sure. movie, yeah. Yeah, all right, I'll count that, yeah. Uh, I feel like, uh, I mean, you could count Godzilla movie, Godzilla vs. Kong, specifically, maybe King, King of the Monsters kind of fits better. Um mm. You know, because that truly is like world-ending cataclysmic stuff, and I don't know. I, I haven't seen Godzilla versus Kong since opening night. I can't remember much other than Bam Bam Pew Pew, but uh, <laughs> pretty <yeah>. much. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what I was supposed to get from that movie. So. And he pops his shoulder back into place on a skyscraper. <laughs> true, <laughs> true. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, guys, look, I'm I'm excited to see this. Look again, if we're throwing out budgets, if we're throwing out everything, like, look, why not go see this movie immediately? I I want to see it on the biggest screen possible. I want to have some dumb fun with this movie, uh, Moonfall. I, every time I see the trailer, I look over at my wife. I'm like, I want to see that dumb movie so bad. And she's like, Well, you can go see that movie, and I'll go see Marry Me. Like, we'll just go to a day like where you could go and see your dumb movie, and I'll go see my dumb movie that neither of us have interest in watching the other one. And I'm like, Deal. Uh, look, uh, Roland Emmerich, uh, like Independence Day is great, but like Godzilla kind of sucks, and like The Patriots pretty great, and Day After Tomorrow kind of sucks, and <laughs> 2012 kind of sucks, and White House Down kind of sucks, and Independence Day 2 really kind of sucks, and Midway's Midway's okay. So like, you know, it, it, none of his movies are like great. You know, Independence Day is probably his best, but like they're they're usually pretty watchable, right? Like 2012 is yeah. a bad movie that's kind of watchable, you know. So yeah, definitely. Like, come on, the moon is falling. <laughs> like, I know. What else do you want, <laughs> guys? And like, how do you guys feel about using Bad Moon Rising in the trailer? Like, oh, it's genius. I, I kind of loved it, right? And it was like a rendition that was like a lot of sh- like stripped back and kind of paused. And at first, the at first, like the the hi hat starts going, and you're like, oh, are they playing? 
for some reason uh uh war pigs by black sabbath and <laughs> and then uh, the they just do the verses from uh bad moon rise i'm like I, like this is a vibe that i'm here for like <laughs> this is i mean this looks like some fast and furious nonsense that it's like i might hate it but i might love it and i'm willing to take a gamble you know yeah, yeah. all right so i don't i don't i don't have any reason to be like yeah like Right, like there's some decent actors in here, right? Like uh, Holly Berry's in here, but you know that's this doesn't really look like a Holly Berry movie. How many mm. good movies has Patrick Wilson actually been in? This well, it depends if you like head. the Conjuring movies, right? Because he's I don't. been in a million things, but I yeah. can't ever think like, oh, that was great, Patrick Wilson. Uh, and I like feel, him. How do you feel about Watchmen? I actually haven't seen Watchmen. Okay, uh, Phantom of the Opera, the 2004. Prometheus, he's Shaw's father. Aquaman. No, I'm like an Aquaman, Aquaman fan, so <laughs> <I would laughs> that's fine. Aquaman. That's fine. They're <laughs> out there for sure. Uh, same with Conjuring fans. I'm just, I'm not one, and that's it. You know. Um, See, like yeah, I, mean, I like the first two Conjuring movies. They're good. They're fine. But it's not like Patrick Wilson, the big movie star in the Conjuring. Yeah. He played William Travis in the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I mean, I think. I mean, I know I'm, I know Robert and I are bigger defenders of this movie than most people, but like, yeah, Prometheus might be my favorite of his. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the founder. I'm, I'm a massive yeah, Prometheus fan. Good. Oh, good. Yeah. You're allowed to come back. Yeah, the founder is good. I don't even remember him being in the founder. But... Me either, but it's also on his IMDb. <laughs> well, I haven't seen it since 2016 because that's not a movie that you watch, you know, more than once every decade, you know? Yeah. Mm. If once every lifetime, you know? That's the poor man's uh, uh, social network. The poor man's <laughs> yeah. yeah uh john bradley most known for playing uh samuel tarley from game of thrones uh yeah he's he's here uh yeah, michael pena's in it. i love michael pena yeah michael pena's a lot of fun um yeah donald sutherland kind of does his thing at this point you know yeah <laughs> yep um yeah uh charlie Plummer. um i don't know if he's related to christopher Plummer, i think probably is because hollywood is uh nepotism exemplified <laughs> yeah that's fair uh let's see who's not related to christopher Plummer. interesting that's yeah. fine, that's fine. he looks he looks like he could be his grandson uh and uh they starred together with him in uh all the money in the world so mm. yeah uh okay uh but yeah um i mean it, it's kind of safe to say that you're either in this movie like you're either in for it or you're out for it like right yeah uh i'm all in so um is there any other things to say about Moonfall? Or are we just gonna just gonna leave it at that? Come on, the moon is falling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm kind of surprised that we haven't already gotten this movie, right? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah how me is, too. I mean, we've had certainly like something has gone bad on the moon, but we've not, how have we not had the moon is trying to kill us yet? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. I don't so, know. Especially like Roland Emmerich has been making movies for thirty years. How is how is it taking him this long to get this one? You know. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, yeah. <clears throat> when the world needed it the most, <laughs> he was here <laughs> to make the moon fall. <laughs> Look, I don't know. This movie's like making a pretty big step. It's first first of all got to make me believe believe that the moon is even real. All you guys that have bought into that conspiracy theory that it's been real for the. For all your lives, I mean, come on! Don't even get me started about people walking on it. <laughs> when a when a certain um, superhero movie crossed a billion dollars in just twelve days, um, that was all Twitter was talking about. And uh, a mate of mine 
retweeted that and said, um, watch Roland Emmerich's much-awaited Moonfall make a billion dollars in just 11 days. Um, and I retweeted that and said, let's make it happen. And uh, the official Moonfall account and Roland Emmerich all retweeted those. So <laughs> oh, nice. There's that. So look forward to Moonfall making a billion dollars in 11 days, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I mean, I'll contribute half of it. I promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be part of it. You know, I'm gonna contribute some of it. So, yeah, there we go, man. If we, if it makes a billion dollars in eleven days, and you know, the hip hop <laughs> writing staff has somebody that predicted it, like that's gonna be huge press for us. You know. Yep. Talk about growing the site, Robert. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it for the bit. Let's just have all of our writers start making really outlandish claims. And then if they come true, they'll be like, Sip Pop predicted it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Simpsons predicted it. We'll be the Sip Pop predicted it. We'll be the new meme. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love for that to be our legacy. Um, all right, there we go. Everybody that's listening, go check out Moonfall. So we I'm not sure it. our boss will love that to be our legacy, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, we run the site. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> We run the site I think with, he his, prefers, with his oversight and authority. Yeah, I think he prefers intelligent discussion and healthy community. But you know, you know, <laughs> outlandish predictions, healthy community. You know, look, tomato, tomato. <laughs> <laughs> outlandish predictions can create a healthy community. You That's know. True. <laughs> <laughs> um, there we go. Everybody listening, go check out Moonfall so we can make this prediction come true. Uh, it has to be within the first week, though. So true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, um, that seems like a good place to end. Before we move on to the SIF topic, quick reminder that SIF Pop Writers Room is a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash SIFPopWR. There's three different tiers you can check out. Different exclusive stuff. Uh, if you're ch- listening to this uh, now, then you're probably listening it to it later than you could since these episodes go live Tuesday roughly at about noon central time. Um, so an extra whole day early uh, as well as bonus episodes per month. There's an episode for Scream that Heath and I reviewed uh, last month. Uh, really excited about uh, the stuff going on there. Thanks to our new uh, uh, patron supporter, Rowan, uh, Sip Pop Rider Rowan, for joining that. Um, uh, with uh, the com- combination of Rowan and Chains, I'm happy to say that Sip Pop Rider's Room is for the first time ever not just a personal expense for me, but that Patreon generates enough money that I don't have to pay out of pocket to do this every month. And that's really nice, you know, 85 episodes in. Uh, but, you know, there hasn't been effort on my part to, to change that. So uh, that's exciting. Next tier goal is uh, is to be able to pay for stuff like uh, if we ever need to rent movies, I could be like, hey, Robert, you know, like uh, you need to like I'm, we're going to the writer is going to buy this movie for you or pay the rental fees. So that's, that's kind of the next goal. So, uh, patreon.com slash the popped up. You are in order to check out some of that stuff. Um, appreciate all the help. So, uh, on that note, we can move on to Casablanca. Casablanca is a 1942 film. Uh, this is Humphrey Bogart, Ingrid Berman, Paul Henry, uh, Peter Lore coming in here. Um, Lots of stuff. I kind of want to flip this around a little bit, partly because I, I didn't do as much prep as I as I meant to. But uh, it's, it's, we're going to go synopsis and then shut up. Uh, uh, we're going to go synopsis and I'm going to making ask money and now you're getting lax. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> getting too comfortable here. <laughs> Sorry, I spent five hours on a live stream this weekend, Mr. Pop, <laughs> uh, and that took up my time instead of this. Uh, not complaining at all. I love being on Sifties. Go check it out. Uh, YouTube Sif Pop channel. It was uh, definitely not a gun to your head saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, synopsis is a cynical, uh, ex, 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 whatever that word is, ex, ex, expatriate American uh, cafe owner struggles to decide whether or not to help his former lover and fugitive husband escape the Nazis, Nazis and French 
French Morocco. Uh, Robert, let's start with you. Uh, you've seen this movie before, yeah? Uh, yes, I had seen it in the past. One time. One time. Um, and uh, what about you, Blake? Is this your first watch? When, kind of, what's your history with this film? Um, so I think I've probably seen Casablanca, I think, maybe four times now. Um, I just watched it again last night. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one that I sort of got to a little bit late. I mean, I, I had seen it when I was younger, you know, on TV here and there maybe. Um, but I never really sat down and watched it until um, a few years ago and, and kind of fell in love with it. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we'll dive into that a little bit more uh, later. Uh, this is the first time I've seen it. Um, I was looking, I, I've owned this movie for a while, but it took me scrolling down my voodoo for quite a bit long to like, to see like when exactly I bought this movie. I bought this movie like right when Black Klansman came out and I haven't seen it like, and I've owned it for all that time. So it was like, wow. it's like four or five years. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's been a while, but like, I don't know. I'm not generally excited to watch mo- you know, movies from the forties. And especially since starting this podcast, it was like, I know we'll get around to it eventually. So why would I watch it now? If I potentially mm-hmm. have to watch it you know, in, in a little bit, hmm. um, a little bit of history with this movie. Some reasons why it might be considered a goat uh, and just some other fun history is, uh, immediately it became a hit and they started talking about a sequel. Uh, unfortunately nothing ever happened. Uh, it's on several different occasions. They, they talked, they talked about doing uh, sequels, um, never happened. There was a couple of, uh, attempts to like remake this film, uh, Casablanco, 1980, uh, Havana, 1990 um, none of them are really highly regarded um in 2008 madonna was reported to be pursuing a remake set in modern day iraq um <laughs> okay so yeah. <laughs> yeah um in 2012 there was reports that uh uh cass warner uh, granddaughter of harry warner uh was set to produce a sequel sequel um featuring the search by rick blaine and uh ilsa lund's Ill- illegitimate son for the whereabouts of his biological father um Several radio adaptations, uh, a couple of Broadway adaptations. We see a lot of this kind of stuff uh, with these older movies. I always love that that that, that kind of stuff. There was a um, short-lived, se- two short-lived series, um, one titled Casablanca, nineteen fifty-five, on ABC. Uh, hour-long episodes from fifty-five to fifty-six, um, and then there was a Cold War espionage program uh, that was. Um, airing uh 1983 april 1983 in nbc and was canceled after three weeks so um <laughs> let's see uh the novel as time goes by uh was published in 1998 was and was authorized by warner novel picks up where the film leaves off and also tells of rick's mysterious past in america although the book was met with very little success um, uh and there was an unofficial sequel um with a 1985 novel called suspects must be a unofficial sequel to film um yeah broadway musical 1951 57 uh, neither made it to the stage but they were you know shown um lots of stuff there uh the colorization uh, released uh let's talk about some accolades this won the academy award for outstanding motion picture best director and best screenplay it was nominated best actor hum- humphrey bogart best supporting actor claude rains uh best cinematography best film editing best score uh, this was uh, put in the National Film Registry. Uh, uh, yeah, lots of lots of reasons to like this movie. Plenty of AFI lists. Um, hundred Years, Hundred Movies, number two. Hundred Years, Hundred Passions, number one. Hundred Years, Hundred Thrills, thirty-seven. 
100 Years, 100 Heroes and Villains. Rick Blaine is a hero in 2003. 100 Years, 100 Song as Time Goes By. 100 Years, 100 Movie Quotes. Number 5, 20, 28, 32, 43, and 67. Um, so lots of quotes in here. 100 Years, 100 Cheers, number 32, and 100 Years, 100 Movies. 10th Anniversary Edition, number 3. Um, lots of stuff to check out. Uh, lots of accolades. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 8.5 on IMDb, make, IMDb, making it the 49th highest rated film of all time. Whew. Blake, you said you used to love it. Uh, what do you think about it, Casablanca today? Do you like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, or think it's just okay? Um, I still love it. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, really do love it. Uh, really doubt that's going to be a hot take. Um, <laughs> uh, Robert, what about you? Like it, love it, hate it, dislike it, think it's just okay? Uh, I like it. Most I'd like it. Okay, um, yeah, I'm, I'm on the high side of it's okay. So, like, I'm happy that, Robert, you're not, like, over the moon about it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so relieved because, like, everybody on Letterboxd is, like, five out of five stars, one of the best movies made of all time. And I'm like, what am I missing? So, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's do it this way. Blake, what am I missing? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say anyone's missing anything, you know? It's all, it's all subjective. Um... But I think my my thing with Casablanca that I kind of pick up on every time is that to me, um, in terms of like its filmmaking and stuff, it it still feels really quite modern um, mm-hmm. for for a film that came out in nineteen forty two. Like, yeah, it's got you know quick edit like well, not so much quick editing, but but snappy editing, mm-hmm. camera moves, all those sort of things that that you know were sort of only kind of just coming into the movie scene at that point where before it was kind of just static cameras and things like that for a lot of stuff. So um, there's that. And, and and I think that the screenplay as well helps that along as well. Um, I've always found it to be incredibly engaging. Um, and the story, I mean, I mean, you know, at the heart of it, it's a, it's a love story kind of. And um, I, I find that to, that's something I grav- gravitate towards a lot in movies. I've, I've sort of found um, okay. as I've gotten older. Yeah. So, um, there's that as well, which I which I really love. Honestly, based on your love of La La Land and how that <laughs> ends and how this ends, I I see the connection. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Robert. Uh, what are your kind of initial thoughts about Casablanca? What was our reaction to um, Citizen Kane? I feel like it's a similar thing for me, where I appreciate it. I get the story. It's a great story. Um, but for me, it's not particularly engaging mm-hmm. i don't know i i'm not one of those people who says don't make stuff about world war ii but i am not typically interested in as we'll get into later i'm not typically interested oh. in stuff set around world war ii just because of everything that was going around going on around that time mm-hmm. um so like i i like the ideas of uh humphrey bogart's character choosing responsibility and what he has to do over you know love basically mm. yeah. and how it's basically impossible to stay neutral when things like this are happening. Yeah. Um, so I, I love, like, I really do love the themes, honestly, but for whatever reason, and I think I, I just have to admit every time we watch a black and white movie like this, it doesn't particularly grab me is that that's more often the case than not that I'm conditioned more to like the way movies are shot mm-hmm. in these days and the way movies are made these days than I am to love something that old so that's probably all it comes down to like i i love the themes and i like a lot of the story it's just like it doesn't i've been i've been fairly bored both times that i've watched it (laughs) okay 
Cool. Interesting. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I was, I, I, I was really afraid I was going to have to come on the show and saying I really didn't like this movie, but it picked up all of a sudden at the point where there's the, um, uh, the one lady that comes up to him and says, we're trying to get out of the country. My husband's yes. over there losing a bunch of money. And, yep. and he goes over there. And I don't know how you rig roulette, but he does. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, it, it just seems like from that moment, because then that kind of goes back to back with um, the, 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 the big confrontation uh, at gunpoint and you know, onward. Spoilers, by the way, we're free to talk about all spoilers. I forgot to say that up top, but uh, if you haven't seen it, your fault. Um, <laughs> uh, I, like, it just feels like from from then on, the rest of the movie is just electric and kinetic, and I'm just like, yes, let's go, and I'm buying into this relationship and kind of the the way that it is. I, I, think, I think for the most part, too, for that first until it hits that point, I really wasn't buying into what the movie was trying to get me to buy in. I was, I was way more interested in this movie as the idea of this person who runs a cafe casino in world war two kind of as there's a rise in Nazi power in, in this area and kind of seeing them slowly try to take over more and more control. Like I was much more interested in that because most of the world war two movies that are out there are just like bang, bang, pew, pew, Nazis die. Good guys win. Yay. America. Hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, but like, it was really interesting to see from a different perspective, you know, like, just yeah. some some guy that just owns a shop and kind of Nazis try Nazi regime coming up and trying to pressure him. Um, I was really interested in that, so uh, just couldn't quite buy into the love triangle that they had going on. So um, that gets into a point that I like that it does mix genre as well. So mm-hmm. it feels yeah. uh, at some points like a noir movie. Feels at some points just like a lighthearted drama type, and then of course there's the romantic aspect to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think any for me, anytime I see Humphrey Bogart, I just immediately get noir vibes because the first time I saw him was uh, Maltese Falcon, and he yeah. Yeah, has that he just has that demeanor, and he does very much in this one too. So, yeah, I think it does that well, where it mixes the genres and it stays dynamic. I was uh, looking at some reviews of some people I follow on Letterboxd, and there was a hip hop writer that just said that Humphrey Bogart is terrible in this, and he was adamant that. If, if Humphrey Bogart was an actor in the modern day, he wouldn't have made it. And like, I kind of agree with him, but I kind, but I mostly disagree with him because I think he seems kind of uninvested in this role. And Jake, uh, some pop writer Jake sent an article in Slack that kind of talked about how on production, nobody thought this was going to be hit. So there was <laughs> some people that weren't really like interested in dedicate in investing in this film. And then it became a massive hit. But like, I feel like it works really well. Kind of his, his apathy in a lot of moments. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I didn't have any problems with him, I, but well, I do want to say that saying that Humphrey Bogart wouldn't succeed in modern day movies just doesn't really work because there's completely different filmmaking and acting styles <laughs> happen in the yeah. last sure. exactly right. eighty years right. or whatever. So um, you're right, you're right. But no, I, I agree about him in this movie. The the apathy, the 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 I don't know how to put it. Like he's just the, the neutrality. Like I mentioned, he's doing that, and then there's a marked difference by by the end between where he starts so i think he's good in this yeah i I didn't think it was particularly like either way uh blake's been a while since we heard you talk (laughs) yeah i mean i i think i think he's great in it and um i think that um ingrid bergman is also Mm -hmm. fantastic in this movie um and you know i guess sort of sort of looping back to um sort of if if 
if Humphrey Bogart was in a movie today. Um, and, you know, I think that that ultimately this in Casablanca is like, if, if I think of like old time Hollywood, like this is the movie I think of. Yeah. And this filmmaking and this acting style. And um, yeah, it just kind of screams Hollywood production to me. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just, I think that um, it just ultimately what I get out of it is just following his character. Um, and and like you say, in, in terms of where he ends up, as opposed to where he starts at the beginning of the film and, and how he kind of goes through that journey um, through sort of not necessarily a grand and epic sort of way. Um, yeah, just kind of, it just all works for me, I guess. <laughs> That's what I'm sure. getting at. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I was seeing the way that he progresses and at very, it, seeing the way he interacts when uh, Ingrid Bergman's character is around versus when she's not. Like, yeah, it's kind of a stark difference. So, like, I think I think this movie's well made, but I don't know. Like, do you, do you have something to add before I take us completely away from here, Robert? Uh, no, I don't. Go <laughs> okay, <ahead. laughs> I I felt like part of the reason why it was really hard for me to get invested is I felt like the first like half hour of this movie was trying to pad the runtime because there's like three musical numbers in the first thirty minutes, and only it's not until the third one that it actually matters that it's in the movie because there it's um the, it's it's where they they meet up at the bar rail and they're kind of mm. using the music as a as a cover to like continue talking slowly and then the next musical number is the is the song that they share um and so like it feels like at that point the music maybe starts to incorporate but i'm just like why why are there just musical numbers in here it's it's it didn't necessarily fit it kind of pulled me out of there uh, out of the movie I, I don't know um maybe that's what kind of got me uninvested and I just really couldn't buy in until until the uh, the sin or not the sin, the scene where he's uh, words are hard uh, the scene <laughs> where he's helping out the the, the lady that's from uh, Bulgaria I think trying to flee. Mm. And that's yeah, good, I get that. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was I was just gonna say like I I can I can understand um, definitely why you know that may be the case of people not being invested and and um. I will say that that I was sort of on that fence um, mm-hmm. the first one, maybe two times that I that I watched this movie. I was sort of just, you know, not not too sure of of sort of what the um, what the what the go was. But um, yeah, it's kind of one that that over time has has definitely grown on me. And and I think um, yeah, I I see what you mean though about the musical numbers not necessarily feeling like they really matter. Sure, and I. This is literally the worst piano playing I've ever seen. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. That, like, his just hands are flat the whole time. I don't think he bends his fingers. And, and not even moving his wrists up and down. <laughs> just, just they're resting on the piano. Man, man, I feel like um, I feel like when uh, when we were doing the sifties and everybody was kind of ragging on Last Night in Soho, and I'm like, yeah, all right, but I really loved it. Like, I feel like that's kind of like you know, I'm just like, I, like. Apparently, the magic number to watch this movie is three times, and then we'll love it. So, Robert, you just got one more, and I got two more in there, and then we'll be on Blake's level. But yeah, I don't. I think I was closer this time, the second time I watched earlier today, than I was the first time. Interestingly, interestingly, I I lowered my rating on Letterboxd from four to three and a half stars, but that's only because I was scared to put it lower than like four stars. (laughs) Be like, oh yeah, I, I like just put it at three stars, and I'm like. 
really like scared. <laughs> but that 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 is to say, I think if I did watch it again with themes more firmly in mind, I could get it back up. Um, because again, I really don't have too many thoughts on the movie other than I appreciated the themes a lot, but I was just very uninvested due to I don't really know what other than I have a hard time investing a lot of times in 80 year old movies. What's yeah. like, what's the thing that gets you invested in the relationship that these people have me or uh, Blake? <laughs> um, cause he buys into it. So like, I'm, I'm curious. I, I do yeah, buy uh, into it. Um, and I, I wonder, I'm not too sure. I, I don't, I'm not sure if it's, um, so much in the writing of the film as it is the sort of chemistry between, hmm. Humphrey Bogart and um, Ingrid Bergman. Um, that's definitely something that I sort of gravitate towards in in sort of these you know romantic plots in films, whether it's a romance or not. Um, is yeah, the, if if there's sort of good chemistry, I'll kind of buy into that a lot more, regardless of sort of how well it's written. I mean, obviously, it needs to be on the page pretty well. Um, but but chemistry matters more than writing. I think that's that's sort of what I gravitate towards first. Okay. You know, I'll I'll look at something and be like, okay, you know, I'm I'm kind of buying into this, and then maybe if it's not the best written thing in the world, I'll I'll watch it again and kind of go, okay, I've, I don't know about this. I mean, mm. but yeah, that's I think that's sort of what I buy into the most um, out of their relationship, sort of before any of the actual you know, romance that's, that's going on. Okay. But I think the romance is like the way it's written is still solid. It is. Yeah. 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 It start. you know, there's a history with them and then the way that it's, it kind of becomes a little, will they, won't they? And then it's ultimately what, uh, choosing whether or not to pursue the romance is, you know, the thematic crux of the whole thing. So yeah, I, I think, I, I'm just adding on to what Blake was saying about the, the chemistry, which is great, but I think the chemistry and the writing are both pretty pretty solid for Yeah, I didn't I didn't mean to say that by by saying the, the story the plot doesn't matter as much. I was just trying to say like in your experience, like yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to demean the script in any way. Yeah. Um I I think this there's also the interesting element here of like they do kind of do some some jumps in time. Yeah. Um and I'm I'm wondering is this kind of the film that first did it? Like I don't 1942 seems really early to be doing something as non-linear as that, you know? I mean obviously Citizen Kane does some does a lot of non-linear stuff, but like I I Citizen Kane is kind of more yeah. like explicitly Yeah. jumping between times, yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's the first one, but I mean, you know, there's so many movies to be able to tell, but um, I think you might be right in that it might have been one of the earliest to kind of bring that form of storytelling, you know, to the forefront. Well, and what, what a, I didn't nec- I didn't have a problem figuring out where we were in the timeline at any point. Um, no. So, like, props to the film for doing that. Like, it, it was pretty clear in communicating. Here's where we're at. Here's what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes a little bit too much with like frames and you know, <laughs> like c- cuts around the film and all that. So, yeah. Unlike yeah. a film that borrows from this, which is Tenet, <laughs> which, <laughs> you know, it, I don't know if you remember, but it amends a quote from Casablanca at the end where yeah. they say the beginning of a beautiful, or the end of a beautiful friendship or whatever, however they say it, I don't remember. Um, 
and then Nolan's known for timeline jumping and then choosing whether mm. to pursue their friendship or you know save the world. Yeah. Yeah, it, maybe there was also a different thing, a different thing, uh, like a different uh, maybe stigma, because like this is known as one of the best movies of all time, like pretty clearly. Uh, this should be a goat. Um, and like uh, that anticipation, I mean, sometimes just kills us uh, talking about these movies. Like sometimes we're watching these yeah. movies. It's like, uh, like what? But sometimes it's like, whoa, like this was like I never, you know, this movie was so highly regarded. And I never once thought it would live up to the expectations. Like, so I, I don't think it's really a valid excuse to say this movie's just overhyped. Um, you know, probably like, like we, like we changed the category name on, um, on, on the, on the sifties was like this, this probably just isn't a movie meant for me. And so I probably not really ever going to probably wasn't ever going to like this movie, at least the first time watching it. And um, that doesn't mean that it's a bad movie. Doesn't mean that it doesn't, I d- deserve to like still be whatever rating it is an 8.5 it just didn't connect in the way most other people do and it, with so many quotes on afis and gosh the 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 scene where uh like you know the um um why am i blinking gosh uh <laughs> <laughs> the um uh here's to looking at you kid that like why is i blanking on that line like I, you just see it used so many times before then it's like Oh, that would have been that, like that would have worked much better if I didn't know this is where this movie is going. And I don't know. So may, maybe that maybe that killed a little bit more. I don't know. Fair. Yeah. yeah. Could be. Yeah. I I think I'm like Robert. I don't I don't know that I have much much anything else to say. Like. Yeah. No. I don't think I've got much else to say really. Um, okay. Yeah. Other than I, just, I love it. <laughs> that's yeah, and that's fine. Look, I'm happy for you, and clearly Robert and I are the m- minority, and that's fine. Um, like that's okay. We're allowed to be wrong every now and then, but uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I just found myself more interested. I think I had this on the B plot at some point, um, or the for like for potential B plots. But this is this to me is a movie that I, well, I guess it would be slightly different. But like movies where you care more about the subplot than you do the plot. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, this would qualify because I I care more about him operating the cafe than I do the romance. So I'm more interested in that movie. Um, all right. Um, Robert, you're kind of maybe a little bit more on the fence. I'm clearly a no, and Blake's clearly going to be a yes. But like, would you consider this movie a goat? If we're assembling the Criterion Collection, are you adding it? Um, let's say if we had a limited number that we could do, this would be in the honorable mentions. Okay. <laughs> if 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 there was a cap, right? Uh, it would not make the cap. But if you were allowed to put unlimited movies, why not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, ob- obviously, you're adding it, Blake. Yeah. Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just not there. That's okay. Fair. Enough. Uh, Robert, where does this rank on your list of overall goats? I have it on number. Uh, I have it at number twenty-eight, um, in between The Sting and Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, I have it at thirty, um, in between Rebel Without a Cause and Fantasia. So, I but, did a little bit of reshuffling of my list. I had eight and a half uh, where Rebel Without a Cause is, and if you remember from last time I was on. I didn't remember that we even watched a movie called Eight and a Half, <laughs> so I moved that down a bit. I have Eight and a Half at the very bottom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, but it's also like you know, saying it's thirty here is not knocking these movies, right? Like, uh, there's thirty-four movies total, but like we're talking about what are widely considered the best movies of all time. I have you know, so like, oh, what did I miss? I don't know. What did we talk about last month? Did I put last month's movie on there? Uh, in Muppets, yeah, no. All right, I'll just have to compare lists. Um, 
anyway, uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's um, uh, it, you know, we're, I I would say I you know, really like really appreciate you know, twenty three of these movies, um, and some of them are I really appreciate but I don't like, and you know, it's just mm. kind of this is kind of that bordering. So I mean, it, to be thirtieth on this list is not not an insult. So, um, you Robert, know, would you recommend this movie? Uh, yeah, to the right person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think kind of same. Anybody that's interested in in movies that are you know, old enough to be black and white was the only thing. Like, yeah, absolutely, you should check out Casablanca. It's for sure a list of shame if you've not seen it. Um, even even if I didn't like it, again, you're probably statistically you're gonna like it. You know. <laughs> yeah. So. Did you see off topic but related to other goats that we've talked about? There's a remake of Ikiru starring Bill Nye. I yeah. did see that. Um, because Scott Derrickson tweeted something about it. Mm. I'm interested, but apprehensive about it. But same, I would never have yeah. known <laughs> to to think about it if we hadn't done this podcast. So, well, and speaking of other hip hop rad room goats connections, uh, uh, Peter Laurie here uh, in both uh, Arsenic and Old Lace and Doctor Strange mm. one. Um, and uh, I don't think I don't think we've had another Humphrey Bogart movie yet. Maltese Falcon is in the queue somewhere. Uh, I'm sure there's more Ingrid Berg- Bergman in the queue, but. Yeah. Oh, and uh, also, uh, no, I said M. And, no, I said Ar- Arsenic and Old Lace and Dr. Strange Love. Sorry, Arsenic and Old Lace and M. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mixed up my movies. So if your name starts with Ng and your last name is Bergman, then you're probably good at making movies? <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> I don't. I actually don't know that I've seen Ingmar Bergman. You gotta watch Seventh Seal. I know. I own yeah. it. I haven't seen it yet. Um, all right, last chance. Any final thoughts on Casablanca before we move on? Nope. The house was white. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <I don't> know. <laughs> well, on next month, uh, we'll be talking about network uh, for our goat segment. Um, really excited to see network. Really excited to, nice. to check that one out. Uh, Going to have Shane, right? Yeah. Yep. Shane will be on the show talking network with us. Um, let us know what you thought about Casablanca. Let us know what uh, if there's something we're missing. If, if Robert and I thoughts are valid, um, let us just let us know. Love to hear. Uh, you know, tweet at us or um, somehow get a, get in contact with us. Send us a strongly worded letter to writersroomatsifpop.com. Joseph, if you're listening, tell us why we're wrong. It's like for real. Like, I, like I'm genuinely curious. And I was reading a bunch of IMDb reviews and letterbox reviews. I'm like, guys, I just don't get it. Like, <laughs> you're like, this is a love story for the ages. I'm like, not really. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me why it's a love story for the ages. Uh, I I feel bad because I'm just bagging on this movie that I shouldn't be. Uh, it's just overkill at this point. I I like the movie more than my comments say. Um, but again, I was kind of in just okay. High side of just okay. Uh, let's 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 stop talking circles. Let's go to uh, the B plot. Uh, best ever movie set in World War Two. Uh, we kind of talked about this. There doesn't necessarily have to be people fighting in World War Two. Uh, there doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, uh, in any specific front, this doesn't necessarily have to even be Americans or whatever. The best movies where World War II affects the plot in a significant way. Um, uh, we'll go. We have our our five listed. We'll do Trump rules BEC style uh, and room for some honorable mentions at the end. We'll go five to number one. Blake, why don't you kick us off? What is your fifth favorite World War II movie? Um. All right. So I have at number five. Um, come and see. Um, okay, this is uh this is a future goat for us. So I haven't seen this one yet. I think this is uh March, if I'm right. So uh, t- t- you haven't seen this yet, Rob- right, Robert? Nope. Yeah. So tell us about it, Blake. 
Um, yeah, so come and see Russian um, Russian film, um, basically just about a, a young boy who kind of joins the um, Soviet resistance and, and sort of tries to fight back against the, the Germans um, and goes through one of the most harrowing <laughs> journeys I've ever seen on film. Um, it is not for the faint of heart, this film. It is very bleak. That's um, what I hear. And and quite confronting, um, but I think in terms of in terms of filmmaking and and whatnot and just like wow factor, you know, by the end of the film, I was kind of just stunned. Um, sat through. I, I, I was lucky enough to see this um, in the cinemas for my first viewing um, nice. on a brand new restoration, and I kind of just sat there through the whole credits, so and then sat there until I got kicked out because I was just <laughs> I was just rattled to my core. Um, but yeah, come and see. Yeah, it's phenomenal film. Just not one that you could probably watch more than once. I would think. It's what, what I keep hearing. Yeah. Um, I own the Criterion, so it'd be fun. Uh, wanted to correct. Uh, May we'll be talking about this. So, March is the Great Escape, which Blood is another Blood World Blood. War Two movie that I haven't seen yet, so it's not going to make my list. So, <laughs> uh, very cool. Come and see it, Blake's number five. Robert, what do you got at five? Yeah, I made a note that we were going to watch both of those movies, Great Escape and Come and See. Um, Just stealing your thunder. Yeah, I I don't actively seek out war movies because at least the American war movies about World War II are typically like American exceptionalism, and I'm not a fan of that. (laughs) Sure. Um, So there's no Saving Private Ryan on here. And then like Mm. even other war movies like Vietnam and Iraq War. Again, I'm talking about American movies pretty much because I'm American. Uh, seem to have all very similar messages and I'm kind of over it. So I uh, don't have too many that I absolutely love on this list. So with all that being said, my number five is Life is Beautiful, which is a movie I I don't really love and I have conflicted (laughs) feelings about. Um, But for very generally, it is beautiful. It's message, finding hope in the darkest of darkness. Um, Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. It's it's a solid movie that if you're in for some devastation mixed with humor, go ahead and check it out. Yeah, so far two devastating movies. All right. I mean, uh, it's World War Two. I know. You... I know. Um, no, Life Is Beautiful is on my list of shame. Um, I do think it is on the list of we can talk about one day for goats. Um, I would. I, I, I would like to explore that. I don't know if you would, but <laughs> I would. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we'll see. So, just because I wasn't a huge fan of it, but I see its merit. Sure. All right. Uh, at number five, I have Hacksaw Ridge. I, I nice. can trump that. Okay. <laughs> I was wondering, and that's why I kind of gave a pause. Yeah. Uh, all right. On to number four. So what do you got, Blake? Uh, all right. Number four, I'm expecting this one might be trumped, um, but I've got Schindler's List. Yeah. <laughs> Trump. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> My number four is Hacksaw Ridge, so we can talk about that now if you want. Cool. Yeah. Why don't you kick us off? Um, Unless Blake has it higher. I no, have you seen yeah, this one? So, I have. Okay. Well, I'm an Andrew Garfield fan, as you may or may not know. Um, <laughs> as <laughs> as your screen name might suggest. Um, yeah, so, and he's possibly the least of the reasons why I love this movie. It, this oh. is, out of, the, uh, out of the two performances he gave in 2016, or 2017, whatever this year, whatever year this came out, Silence should have been nominated and not this one. Um, Agreed. But yeah. Hacksaw Ridge, I still love the message of nonviolence 
Um, yeah. Putting aside the director, I love the <laughs> I love the the ideas that exp- that it explores. Um, and if you can even say this about a World War II movie, it's it's very wholesome, and mm. I appreciate that about it. I've seen it maybe twice. I think just once, but maybe twice. And yeah, there's just, even though it's brutal, <laughs> like any war yeah. movie that you would expect, like it's it's very grisly. Um, the I really do think it's wholesome because of the drive of the main character um, and that last uh, sequence when he's trying to save everyone. Mm. Yeah, that, that's that's great. That's great stuff. Yeah, uh, kind of kind of along the lines of what you were saying, how a lot of war movies are the same and have the same message. Uh, this was a breath of fresh air for right. sure. Yeah, uh, coming it. out and yeah, it's him playing this guy based on a true story, based off a real person that was uh, um, refused to carry a firearm, refused to hurt people. Um, but in, in, in the humanity in this movie really shines through. Again, odd considering the director, but um, <laughs> yes. really shines through because there's moments where he encounters enemy soldiers and like is still sending enemy soldiers to mm-hmm. go get help. And like mm-hmm. that's like you you wouldn't you don't see that in most movies you know you would see the Amer- you would see the the protagonist soldier finish off a, a an enemy soldier not give them medical attention um and uh man there's lots of things about this movie that shouldn't work that just kind of do like Vince Vaughn was like really and then it's like but it kind of works and yeah um and it, it, Andrew Garfield pulling off a thick, stupid Southern accent, but of course he's Andrew Garfield, so he does it, and he does it great. Um, and then they show at the end credits, they show the actual guy talking, and you're like, that's that's the same guy, like, that's the same voice, there's no way he didn't just dub it, and they, anyway, um, dub it and age it down, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, the sequence where he's just, he's up there alone trying to send people down, and he's... You know, it's a religious movie, so he's praying and he's saying. Uh, it's not a religious movie, but he's a very religious person, so he's right. he's yeah. praying and he's saying, uh, "God help me, just get one more." It's just yeah, it brings me to tears every time. So, mm. uh, I have I have Schindler's List at four, so we'll we're not going to be able to talk about number four, which means we go to number threes. Um, all right, another film that will probably get trumped. Uh, Saving Private Ryan is my number three. Yeah, I'll trump that. <laughs> oh, so I'm up for number three. Uh, this is where I have Dunkirk, and going back... Uh, I'm going to trump that. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, at number three, I have Jojo Rabbit. Cool. All right, let's talk about Jojo Rabbit. <laughs> I love this movie so much. Uh, I love it more every t- the more I think about it. And again, kind of talking about how the message... Like, different World War II stories, I mean, I didn't realize, but until we were talking about these i mean there's a million just you know good guys rah rah hooray but like mm-hmm. jojo rabbit the the perspective of a german boy at the time who starts off the movie being a total like nazi enthusiast and you're like mm. whoa but like seeing the progression he takes and seeing the the propaganda that they would take or that they would use and um just kind of seeing his perspective change over the film and the chem- uh, the chemistry that uh, that the two leads have the two kids uh, and again, some devastating moments, um, you know, with like specifically like with a butterfly, uh, incredible score by Michael Guccino um, and a really funny movie overall. Um, I love this one. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, I'm I'm I, I'm kind of the opposite. I <laughs> liked this movie less over time. Okay. Um, I think I've seen it maybe three times and I don't I don't so much dislike it, but um. I don't know. I feel like I kind of have disconnected from it on repeat viewings. Hmm. Um, 
but that's not to say that yeah that 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 first screening i really really loved it um i think i found different things to connect to each time i've seen it um it's just one of those mm. movies for me but that's okay rob i don't think you agree with me either yeah i've seen it twice and i actually just like a few days ago came across it in like a used movie store and picked it up for like six dollars mm. um because i i want to give it another shot but i don't like I feel like there's something there, but for me, it's just, I, it's always just so weird to watch it because Taika Waititi playing Hitler, an absurdist Hitler in this story that has moments like, not to spoil it, but like there's the shoes moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like those two things just don't mix in my mind. Yeah. Um, and for like Hunt, Hunt for the Wilder People, I think he does a great job of mixing comedy and drama and, you know, heartbreak and stuff like that but here it just like like i was saying for whatever reason world war ii i think you have to find a real reason to justify your use of comedic hitler (laughs) i think he's close in some time at some points but uh yeah yeah i mean this is the mark it it, Mm. this movie doesn't quite balance it that well that's really my only knock on it it's not a full five out of five stars uh it it doesn't quite balance it the way that it wants to, and I don't. I don't know how much of that is editing. I don't know how much of that is just Taika Waititi wanting to just make a comedic moment and then just devastate you the next, um, and not try to, you know, have any any balance um, other than just severe, extreme, one or the other. Um, I don't know how much of that is that is the source material. It's based off a book. I don't know how much of that is um, uh, the uh, um, the fact that this is kind of from a kid's perspective. So um, I don't know. But you're, you're right. It doesn't quite balance the tone. But I'm. I just I just think when it, it when it's working it's working really well and um yeah just I will say I do love the like the that ending sequence like right I was just I came out like I, just... I was middling through like ninety eight percent of the movie watching it for the first time but I still came out on a high because of the that ending little sequence I there I can't leave smiling after seeing the two of them just start dancing you know can't not leave yeah didn't I say that you said you can't leave smiling. <laughs> I can't not leave, you know, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> I can't not leave just with the biggest smile on my yeah. face because they're just so charming. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so that was my number three. Cool. All right. My number two then is Grave of the Fireflies. I had this in honorable mentions. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um. Also, maybe, maybe so much not nice because it's not necessarily a nice movie <laughs> at all. Um, Talk about depressing again, movies, man. I, yeah, very depressing. Um, you know, Studio Ghibli um, kind of wouldn't necessarily expect something like this um, out of there. But um, yeah, this is just one well, of those... Well, this was like one of their first ones, right? Yeah, it was pretty early on. I think it was 89 or 88, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, you know, about a young boy and his little sister trying to survive in Japan during World War Two, and it's dark and depressing, but it's filled with all these little moments of sort of happiness, you know, hidden throughout. And um, I don't know, yeah, just every time I watch it, it just really, really gets to me. <laughs> always, yeah. always bawling my eyes out by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, there's like four or five <laughs> different moments that just crush your soul, man. I- yeah. <sighs> Uh, but then like it's almost immediately followed up with something that just warms your soul mm-hmm. um yeah 
you haven't seen this, right, Robert? No, I got to see it. I've only seen Spirited Away and How's Moving Castle. Yeah, Studio Ghibli's not typically my bag. I don't like Spirited Away, and I um, I didn't. I, I thought Castle in the Sky was fine, um, and uh, and I, I really like Grave of the Fireflies, and I like House Movie Castle. But like, I just if I don't like Spirited Away, and you know, like if I think Castle in the Sky is better than Spirited Away, then why why would I like really explore more? <laughs> so I, I haven't seen Secret World of Arietti or up, from Up on Poppy Hill or a bunch of other stuff. It's I don't know. I think Studio Ghibli's just not for me, but Grave of the Fireflies for sure is. Um, and again, talk about you know World War movies with a different perspective. This isn't about soldiers. This is about kids and yeah. trying to overcome their surroundings. Uh, yeah, it's great. Great pick. Great pick. <laughs> what you got, Robert? Number two. Yeah. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I'll trump that. Okay. <laughs> uh, two's where I have Saving Private Ryan. So. Uh, there's you. You already mentioned there's no way you're gonna trump this, Robert. So no, there's no way. Uh, <laughs> you're, I mean, you're right. There is there is definitely uh, for this movie a lot of like rah rah, you know, go good guys, boo Nazis. But you know, and there is like, oh, your your good guys gotta die because you can't have hero stories where heroes don't die and all that. But like, just the core idea of this movie is just some people's. Even even if it was against their own will at first, like choosing to to sacrifice in their lives or even just you know the threat of losing their life um, for the sake of trying to save the last living brother uh, or the last living son of this mother, uh, it's it's just a a simple story with a really um, shot really well. Spe- you know, obviously Spielberg knows what he's doing with the camera. Um, some some great performances, uh, lots set pieces that just you just dream of you know uh, that first like 40 minutes of that movie is just like i mean it would be nightmares if you're dreaming about this movie but uh yeah just like some of the most iconic stuff that cinema has to offer i love this movie uh you you had it on your list too right blake i think four uh yeah i had this at number three um three. and i think yeah my i think the shining star for this film in my opinion is definitely spielberg's direction um mm-hmm. And just the the way he made this movie, I think, is quite terrific. Um, and you know, there's a reason that it's still, you know, in in discussions and um, in in pop culture and and being parodied and, and things like that. It's just one of those things that's um, so iconic. But you know, as, at at the same time, I can definitely agree um, with what you've sort of mentioned, Rob, in that it is sort of one of those o- almost feels like it's almost feels like it's glorifying the some of the actions but yeah at the same time not and yeah it can it can kind of sit funny with with me sometimes but yeah spielberg's definitely the star of this one for me yeah for sure matt damon um, needs to stop getting lost <laughs> he does <laughs> for sure. um yeah i was just wondering robert did we wind up including this on the mistaken identity becs because that scene where they find Nathan Fillion and they think he's oh, yeah, I can't remember if we allowed that or not. Because I, I think I tried to argue it, and I don't know that we did. But I don't know. I, I love that sequence where they tell him like, "Yo, your all your brothers are dead." He's like, "What? You know, the farm is only eight. Like, yeah. and it's like James Ryan from Iowa. Like, so <laughs> hey, Iowa, yay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, that takes us to our number ones. Um, all right. So my number one um, World War Two movie is going to be Dunkirk. 
I have this on my honorable mentions. My number three. Um, yeah, Christopher Nolan. Again, going back to what we sort of mentioned ages ago about him and his fascination with time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the the thing that that really gets me about this movie is it's just like all senses, like just completely visceral mm-hmm. um, experience, like seeing this in the cinema and and hearing that very first gunshot go off at the start of the film just rattled me. Um, and from that moment on, I was just, you know, clenching my chair. Yeah, this is um, a white knuckle movie. It is, it is. Um, but sort of as well as that, I think that what I really like about Dunkirk is that he, Nolan sort of explores the different aspects of... Um, you know, the military, it's not so much... Mainly these war movies are focusing on the army and and the front line, you know, soldiers and things like that. Whereas this sort of looks at the Navy and and heavy focus on the Air Force and things like that, um, which I like planes. So it's nice to see dogfights and stuff in film for once um, that is shot nice. And that's not just Top Gun. (laughs) So yeah, for that, I think... Midway's watchable. Midway's Midway watchable. is watchable, yes, but uh, it's no Dunkirk. And yeah, absolutely. That, yeah, for that, it's um, it's in my number one spot. Dunkirk is the movie that I point to people when they ask, "What does why why do you go see movies on IMAX?" And you just show them like you know the differences in the in the framing and the screen and all that. It's like this, you know, this is the pinnacle, right? Like it's one of the most effective uses of IMAX. I mean, Interstellar as well, but. Um, those those are probably my favorite two 4K discs I own. So mm. yeah, yeah, the 4K disc for Dunkirk's amazing. Yeah, and I do wish I had an IMAX in this country. Mm. <laughs> this was the first movie I popped on when I bought a new soundbar with a subwoofer, and it was just like the subwoofer behind me just going off the whole <laughs> time. It's great, uh, Robert. You love this movie too, yeah? Yeah, it's my number seven Christopher Nolan, but number three uh, World War Two movie. Um, yeah, it's it's great for every for all the reasons you guys are saying. Um, a lot of movies kind of try to put you in the war in the sense that like try to like uh, Full Metal Jacket tries to tell you about like the horrors of war and what it's like for the soldiers and how you lose your humanity. Um, but I think this one does a great job of really putting you in there like uh, like no other war movie I've seen because you don't know the name of the characters, uh, like you're not invested in them in the same way you would be, you know, with Tom Hanks and Saving Private Ryan, for example, or Mm -hmm. um, just any other (laughs) typical character. You're like, you feel like you're in there. You feel like when they're hiding on the boat and the, and they're using the boat as target practice, you feel like you're trying to escape from the bullets and fighting for your life and all that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah. This one, this one's really, really good. Um, And I love that ultimately it's about people coming together to save people. Um, and you know that is, it's just a great um, relief at the end when you know I I'm going to spoil it when you know all the the fleet of of civilians are coming to save all the people all the soldiers on the beach you know that's just a great moment and then um, one of my favorite things about Nolan movies is the intercutting between all the different things to voiceover to close and this one's one of the be- better examples of of that in, in his movies and I, I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of just as the cherry on top, um, this may not be my favorite, but this is for sure Hans Zimmer's best, like most creative work. 
mm-hmm. um, to me. I mean, I, I I have lots of love for for Dune uh, this last year. Maybe my favorite, uh, obviously, Thin Red Line and Inception and uh, um, Interstellar. It, all of the score, Gladiator, Pirates, like they're all great. But like, <laughs> um, Amazing Spider-Man too, you know. Uh, but uh, but as far as like the creativity with constantly just building and being really minimal um mm. i i love 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 the score for this movie and the and the um ticking clock just mm. constantly yeah. going throughout the whole film as well just tapping at the back of your brain <laughs> for sure uh all right so that's your number one uh robert what's your number one yeah this is where i have schindler i i've only honestly only ever seen schindler's list once but i don't think that i could see a better movie um for for this topic yeah i, th- yeah. I think jake sif popular jake mm-hmm. he like did a he added up everyone's scores and did an average and we had like an average of like a 4.7 of the, everyone's rating on on letterbox for this movie how do you not give this movie five out of five stars exactly yeah like, this is like the highest rated movie sif pop uh like consensus sif pop uh rated whatever um I think even if you might get bored here and there throughout, even if you lose track of what's going on, even if um, any number of negative things or something that cause you to uninvest throughout the movie, you can't, you cannot not be just absolutely broken to pieces when he's saying, I just wish I could save one more. Like, yeah, that is perhaps um, the most moving moment in all of cinema. Um, I well, and it's it, it's saying something because maybe the second most moving moving moment in all of cinema is the girl in the red coat. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. So it's like <laughs> it's saying something when you can top that moment in your own movie, and and it does. <laughs> and what what I love so much is that among the millions of people that were killed, he cares about just the one. You know, like that's what makes it so special. That's what makes it so resonant, impactful, and poignant for me. Um, so for the for the thematic reasons alone, and again, here's Spielberg coming in with just an absolute incredible <laughs> movie for this list. Mm. Um, yeah, it, I, I think it's easily the best or my favorite on this list. Well, and look, it, it, this list is totally different to me if we're talking best films. This is the best World War II film ever made. Um, but it's, it's hard to call this film a favorite, right? Because right, like, yeah. it's just... All that, but you're right. It's everything about it is incredible. Um, this is probably Spielberg's like top achievement. Like this is probably the most important, best thing he's ever done and will ever do. Um, yeah, just uh, right after Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just yeah. Like this, this movie alone could be his legacy, and that would be totally okay. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, it, it just the way. The way to where this movie doesn't just end with his like with him specifically, but as the credits are rolling, it's all the people that he saved coming to pay their respects at his grave is just like yeah, it's just it's just the thing that really sends sends home like by the way, remember that this is a real story with real people, you know, not like you know Saving Private Ryan is a fictionalized story or you know jo- uh, Jojo Rabbit or a lot a lot of the other movies that we're talking about that are. Maybe some sometimes slightly based in reality, or like Hacksaw Ridge is a biopic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes maybe slightly based in reality, or like vaguely based off of events that happen. But like these are real people; real things happen to them. And uh, for for a three three and a half hour war movie that doesn't feature much of like 
you know, action pew pew violence. There's lots of violence, but not like action-y violence. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is a remarkable achievement for sure. Mm. And I think you can really, um, one thing that I always notice when I've, when I've watched this, I think I've only seen this movie three times, maybe. I've seen um, it twice. It's hard. But I think the thing that I always pick up on is just, you, you can really tell how much, um, or how important this story is for Spielberg to tell. Like you can tell he's just put his whole being into this film um, yes. to, to tell the story. And I think that really um, helps get across all of those themes and whatnot. Um, and yeah, ruins you every time again. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen the Spielberg documentary on HBO, it spends yeah. a, a good amount of time talking about Schindler's List and it's, it's worth watching. Uh, I'll have to check that out then. I mean, the the stuff on Close Encounters is probably my favorite. Um, but yeah, there's there's probably a good like twenty minute, thirty minute section on uh, Schindler's List. So yeah, it's good. It's great. Uh, yeah, man. Well, that'll leave my number one to being Glorious Bastards. Um, it's my favorite Tarantino, and uh, I I love how he just interplays the story. It it all comes to a head um, in such glorious fashion and such over the top fashion. Um, <laughs> That uh, I I don't know I just I love it. it works on all levels for me it works on the the small levels uh, where it's where you have just like small set pieces and small small scenes that seem insignificant and then add up later over time it works just on the overall narrative of what goes on I just I could pick apart a million different things that are just like oh and this was great and that was great you know like one of the best movie introduction scenes of all time another one of the best scenes of all time with the uh, um, the scene at the bar where they're they're playing the game with uh the <laughs> Diane Kruger character. Yeah. Um e- but even like the silly Mike Myers stuff is just it's great and I love it. Uh, yeah. I really yeah. love this movie. Yeah, I had this on my um honorable mentions. Um and yeah, pretty much love it for all the all the reasons you've said. Um I don't think it's it's probably not my favorite Tarantino. Um but yeah, I just I just really love what he did with this story and, and sort of um, as well scattered throughout, you know, you get these moments of hilarity, like um, when they're in the uh, theater putting on the accents and stuff. Like, yeah. Gorlami. That's just hilarious. Gorlami, Gorlami. yeah. It just makes me crack up every time. Um, Ooh, that's a bingo. <laughs> we just say bingo. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's yeah. good. I think... I realized live on this podcast a while back that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was actually my favorite Tarantino movie. Um, I think it was on a family meeting, Sif Pop family meeting. Whenever it was, I realized live on some on something Sif Pop that my, <laughs> my favorite Tarantino wasn't actually what I thought it was. But Inglorious <laughs> Bastards is my number two um, because of all the reasons you guys have said. It's very watchable. It's very entertaining. It's fairly long, but it like I never mm. get bored. And mm-hmm. uh, I... I love the eclectic uh, cast. There's like a lot of different people and there's not necessarily a main character. It's kind of similar to Pulp Fiction in the way that it like follows different threads here and there, even though, you know, Brad Pitt is pretty much the main character. And but, but it goes like 40 minute stretches without him at all. Right. And like, like I'm, I'm never go back to him, you know? Right. Yeah. Like the way it cuts away from Samuel Jackson and uh, John Travolta for Bruce Willis in, in Pulp yeah. Fiction. And- and you're like, please just go back to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the the main thing that I love is just like the idea of the, the very ham-fisted metaphor of the, the power of cinema and the power of storytelling. <laughs> um, 
I don't, I don't care that it's very obvious. I, I love it because I agree with it. Um, and the rest of the movie is incredibly entertaining. So, yeah. Yeah. And this is for sure the least empathetic movie that we've talked about. Uh, like th- it's, it's missing what, what probably should be included in most world war two movies. But like, this is very clearly from the beginning, kind of a like revisionist history. Um, you know, like, a we're, we're just telling a, a story that is going to be really exciting and is going to have a Tarantino tone and just it, it, take it seriously, but not too seriously. And know? sometimes it's uh, exciting to see Nazis blow up. So that's true. Yeah. And yeah, who, who doesn't, who doesn't love seeing a bunch of Americans unload clips and pump <laughs> clips into Hitler's face, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. And also like a lot of, uh, a lot of introductions from uh, international actors to Americans. I mean, this is where uh, Melanie Laurent gets her, you know, big American debut. Christoph Waltz, of course. Uh, Daniel Bruhl. Um, yeah. Lots of lots of people getting exposed to that would have you know a list careers. So, mm. well, yeah. Um, I mean, at least Christoph Waltz is there. I was like, I was like, I don't know. Do we count Daniel Bruhl in a lister? Like, he's great in Rush, you know. But like, I don't know. I don't know where he lands there. You know. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, a couple honorable mentions. Uh, Robert, do you have anything? I have the Dirty Dozen, which I saw once and thought it was pretty great, and uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Okay, oh, nice. uh, not seen either of those. Um, I just have two. I have uh, Fury. Fury is a great one, uh, and uh, it, it, a movie that I don't really like, but I think is worth mentioning is The Pianist. So, yep. Yeah, um, I had Inglorious Bastards, um, Casablanca, and The Great Escape. Are my three honorable cool. mentions. Sweet. Uh, well, they, do we? Is there a consensus? It has to be Schindler's List because it's the only one on all three of our lists. Yeah, there's a consensus. Yes, yeah, I'd say so. Even if we're going by favorite or even just our list, like that's the only one that all three of us have. So there you go, Schindler's List. Um, obviously, we already knew best World War Two movie of all time, but podcast confirming it. <laughs> um, all right, all we have left to do is the spinoff. Uh, Robert, what is that one thing in a- any area of pop culture that you really want to tell everybody to watch or to avoid? <clears throat> So we were, you and I, Aaron, were talking recently on Twitter about how I was trying to play video games, and oh, I've been so excited to see like progress updates. Well, the friggin' thing is, I bought my Xbox One on eBay at the beginning of the pandemic, and it's been showing that it's an eBay purchase, and um. I was never able to fully download the game, and my disk drive just stopped working. So I was never able to play Red Dead Redemption. Uh, no. I, I took it back and returned it. But uh, through doing that, I decided to look up uh, the store and see what games I could buy cheap because I was in the video game mood, which is unusual. And it just so happened that it coincided with my Batman mood, which I've been in for the last couple of weeks. Yo, so let's I, go. <laughs> I got Arkham Knight. I played Arkham City. Nice. A long time ago when it first came out and i really loved it played a little bit of the other two but uh yeah i i want i wanted to finish off the story and i picked up arkham knight for 3.99 off of it's so good the microsoft man. store and yeah i had a lot of fun i finally beat the main story yesterday uh it's got a honestly it has a very very good story um i i don't like again i don't play a lot of video games so i am not used to good stories because i usually just play sports and mario um, <laughs> so I'm very I'm very skilled at 2K and Mario Kart, but not very skilled at anything like this. Um, 
so yeah, I, I was very impressed by the story and like, uh, yeah, it was, it was cool to see the Joker is like in Batman's head the whole time and you, he's he's messing with you wherever you go and then the fighting is a lot of fun. Uh, you got the, the typical Batman fighting and if you like Batman, you're going to have a lot of fun with it. The Batmobile stuff is a little bit too frequent for my tastes. I got very frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that was everybody's biggest knock was everything not involving the Batmobile is perfect. Everything involving it is really good. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> yeah. Like I got so frustrated trying to shoot those drones, and then the yeah. driving itself is not even very good. Um, but yeah, there, here's going to be my one and only video game recommendation on here: is that if you're a Batman fan, play Arkham Knight. If you haven't, because I know I'm like seven years late. Man, what a juxtaposition of you've been watching a lot of the older Batman movies too. So playing Arkham Knight and then yeah. watching Batman Forever, like Riddler <laughs> being totally different. Yes. Man, oh, I'm so happy you got around to that. I'm sad that your Xbox One decided to suck and uh, you can't play Red Dead Redemption 2. It's uh, okay. I'm probably yeah. more happy with this than I would have been with Red Dead anyway. I mean, that's fair. I mean, you're still leaving the door open. You just can't. Because you said you bought it from Microsoft Store, so I'm assuming you're just saying, like, you still got your Xbox, you can only just play digital games. Right. So. And that was like $60 to buy it on to buy Red Dead on digital, and I'm like, I am not going to do that, I'll stick to, four, <laughs> to $3.99 to buy Arkham City. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's semi-regularly on sale, but uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, I'll also do a video game reference. Because uh, I've been playing a lot of video games recently. I think just like trying to catch up on all the movies of 2021 at the end of 2021 just really kind of burned me out for a little bit. Because <laughs> um, now I, all I want to do is play video games. So I've been playing uh, Halo Wars because um, nice. Halo Infinite is out. And I have yet to play it just because I want a refresher on the whole franchise. And I'd never played any of the Halo Wars games um so but i know they're, they're prequels to the originals and i'm not normally a strategy person but this is so just addictive i love building units and sending them out and like you know sometimes you could be like i'm gonna be a risk taker i'm gonna send like one warthog in to try to take out people and sometimes you're like i'm gonna sit here for five minutes set my controller down let my resources build and then just build up an army and just go wreck house send 30 30 units in to go take out like three grunts and uh you know it's just um the story story i was surprised that you know one there was a story and two that it's actually really good too so Mm. um big recommend for halo wars uh if you have a pc or xbox they're available for free on game pass nice um or for not very much money if you don't. So um, I'm currently playing Halo or 2s and, and liking it less, but still really liking it. Uh, Blake, that just leaves Must. you. Yes. Um, I don't know. I haven't been too busy um, in terms of popular culture lately and sort of watching and, and gaming and things like that. But um, I did start watching um, Archive 81, um, not last night, but the night before. I don't even know um, what this is. Two episodes. Do you in. know what this is, Robert? No, I'm interested to hear. Um, it's on Netflix. Um, it's basically it's like a horror horror series. Um, produced by James Wan. Oh. Um, basically about a um a film archivist who gets sort of hired to um restore these damaged tapes and and through the process, um, sort of starts discovering some spooky things. Um. And yeah, I'm really enjoying it so far. Like I said, I'm only only two episodes in. I think there's eight overall. Um, but yeah, it's 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 really entertaining so far. And what kind of caught me off guard was 
it's based off of a podcast, um, oh. which is sort of something that's not often heard of. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 quite good so far, um, and I recommend I'd recommend checking it out on Netflix. Uh, is there? Have you gotten to the end of this first season? No, not yet. Okay. Uh, it's so, yeah, yeah. It's only the one season so far. It only just came out. I was going to ask: Is this? Do you think it's going to be multiple series or seasons or just a mini series? But yeah, not sure. Not sure yeah, yet. We'll see. Uh, Have to see where it goes. If you want to cool. write a full review? Let us know. Yeah, we'll do. Uh, there you go. So you have uh, Robert recommending Batman: Arkham Knight available on Xbox One, PlayStation Four. Uh, me recommending Halo Wars available on like the Xbox 360, Xbox One, and uh, PC. And Blake recommending Archive 81 on Netflix. I did confirm that it is on Netflix in the States as well. Hmm. Um, and available in the States as well, because sometimes that stuff is is different. So I think it just got wide all all over at the same time. So Archive 81. On that note, that's a wrap. Uh, quick reminder, Civ Pop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. And if you want to write st- uh, for Civ Pop uh, like us, then you can uh, get in contact uh, with us on Twitter at Sifpop or uh, by emailing writersroom at Sifpop.com. Also, if you have any feedback about the show or want to send us a question to explore during the B-plot, uh, that'd be really helpful. Um, and you can also uh, follow me on Twitter or or Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. But uh, um, Blake, uh, where do you want to send people to, to check out you and all the stuff you got going on? Uh, yeah, so I'm just uh, at Blake underscore Ison, I-S-O-N on everything um twitter and twitter and letterboxd are my main my main things so that's probably where i would send everyone to yeah if you want to listen to me ramble about movies <laughs> sweet and uh robert yeah find me underscore rob's thoughts on twitter sweet well uh and robert uh passing the 200 subscriber mark on his youtube channel as oh, well yeah. so exciting Congrats. stuff going on over there as Thank well you uh well that'll do it um thanks so much for hanging out guys thanks so much for talking about the show um or talking about casablanca talking about stuff with me on the show uh as mentioned next month we'll talk about network uh next week i'm talking with jake and adam oh i didn't realize this until just now but uh australian writers back to back um that'll be a lot of fun and uh jake and adam and we will be talking about um the sandlot and um i love the sandlot Love the Sandlot. Uh, the Sandlot and uh, Angels in the Outfield. We decided to go for a baseball <laughs> doubleheader for nostalgia. Um, so uh, Very timely. <laughs> is it? No. <laughs> Baseball's MLB's in a lockout. Oh, yeah. And the season doesn't I'd, even start till April. Well, yeah, I know. We're kind of in the off season. Yeah. I, I, Lockout's still a thing? All right, whatever. Um, uh, <laughs> they, they, were, they were just like, I could go for Sandlot. And then they were like, well, how about we pair that with Angels in the Outfield? Let's stick with baseball. It's like, sure. Like, all right, let's do it. Um, so uh, there we go. Uh, so make sure to come back next week for that. Um, thanks again for your time, guys. I uh, really appreciate you. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah. Sure. Thank you. Always happy to be on. Back to the <laughs>